0: Good morning, everyone. How are you this morning? All is well? Hey, good morning. (laughs) Um, It's good to be here. It's good to have another opportunity to share with you um, what God has brought into my heart uh, this morning. Um, If you haven't seen Gabby or Ruben around, it's because they're actually uh, serving today. Gabby's preaching in Riverside, Cascais. Um, so they are not able to be here. Um, send them a text, send them a message. They say, hey, I missed you this morning. I'm sure they will appreciate. Um, it's very common for us, or who of you haven't ever played an icebreaker? We do that a lot in the, our life groups or like this group icebreakers where we ask someone to choose an object or we have a bunch of random pictures. Choose a picture that better... Describes you if you if you could say who you are through this picture of through this object. What would you choose? Uh, and sometimes people I, it's always common someone is always the one who picks up like their cell phone and says well I'm a very communicative person. I need to be around per- with someone. I'm extrovert, etc. But what would it be? What object of what picture would would define you? or um, How would you describe? the gospel of Jesus Christ into your life as well in one word um or in one sentence. Uh, how would you how would you describe it? One visual object, what would it be? And I'm sure we would have around the room uh, different answers. Of course, also surely difficult to just describe it in one sentence, but that's what the gospel of Jesus is about. Uh, It's one and only story, but it moves into our hearts and it speaks to our hearts. And we could have a whole bunch of people that could say at least one different word of how the gospel of Jesus is meaningful into your life. And today I want to talk a bit more about the gospel of Jesus because we truly believe that this message is the most important and intriguing message for any human ears. Because it's the heartbeat, it's the heartbeat of God for his, for his humankind and it deals with our hearts and with the need of salvation for our hearts. So th- 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 this week as I was invited to share uh, and I, I I was actually reflecting this uh, uh, week and this couple of weeks actually of something about the, the gospel and something uh, that I've never quite um, understood or I've never quite, um, uh, i never got a completely satisfied answer about. And so if I could resume um, my, my search and if I could summary what I want to bring this morning to you and my invitation is for us to explore this together, is in these two questions. What does it mean for the human being, for you and me, to be created in the image and in the likeness of God? What does that really mean? And what does that have to do with the gospel, with, with the message of God to us? What does, ha- what does that have to do with us today or with the humankind as a whole? What does it have to do with the human project which the gospel should speak so much to? And Gabby, many times when she is introducing a message, she likes to say, I like to start from the beginning. And that's totally right. And she likes to go find the first initial idea that sets the tone or the theme for what she's bringing about. And and the beginnings are just like that. They, uh, they um, activate the, the vocabulary. They activate the ideas and the logical threads of any story. And so in the same way, as we want to explore what does the image of god we created as the image of god is let's go back to the beginning shall we and the beginning is right on the first book first chapter and in the first couple of verses so i invite you to come with me to genesis chapter 1 and if you're not Familiarize with uh, the creation story in Genesis. Uh, on the first five days, God creates heavens and earth. God separates the the waters from the skies, separates light from the darkness. Uh, he creates the the, the, the creatures that uh, in the sea, in the in the land, and in in the sky. And on the sixth day, after creating the the land creatures, right in the end of the sixth day, he finally creates the human beings and this is what it says in genesis 1 verse 26 to 31 then god said let us make mankind in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every crawling thing that crawls on the earth So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God saw all that he had made and behold... It was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. So finally, after God had created all the things and in the end of each day, God says, I've done something good. In this last day of creation, when God creates the human beings in his image and in his likeness, God says, I've created something really good. Something really good. And it's common, and rightly so, to interpret in this holistic uh, way the idea that men and women, created in the image and in the likeness of God, are so because they have rational and relational uh, capacities. They have an intellect, and they have um, they have a conscience that distinguish them from any other animals. But when we look at the logical sequence that these First text presents to us, as it tries initially to explain what human being in the image of God is, what do we notice? And I, I wanted to, to draw your attention to two um, keywords or two concepts. The first, you can go back to the verse 26, the first slide. When, when it says, well, let us make mankind in our image and according to our likeness. Uh, what, what does that mean? Let them rule over the fish, over the land, over all the animals in the sky. And we notice how they repeat this idea of ruling over the rest of its creation. And it's as if the passage is actually explaining what it means to be created. So the first thing I want to um, share with you today is that being created in the image of God is being created with authority. Authority. God granted the ability to exercise power, authority, and dominion over all of the creation. In other words, us created as in the image of God is to be placed in such a privileged position where God has delegated us his power so we can rule over his creation. God in his sovereignty grant us Again, the privilege of being his partners, being his ambassadors, being God's own representatives to the rest of the creation. Have you ever thought about that? You who sit here on the first row, or you who sit there on the last row, men and women, you all were preciously created to mirror the Creator. Everyone, to all the other creatures. And the second thing I notice on verse 26 is a blessing that God gives to us, His human beings. And He says, Well, go and be fruitful and multiply. God's own ability to form creatures from the dust is now given to us. So that we biologically can also form other human beings. This is the image and the likeness of God. I delegate you authority and I bless you to multiply as I God I'm able to do. Now you be my ambassadors through all the creation. We are the prime of God's creation. We are precious in his sight. It's an amazing portrait of how we initially and ideally were created to mirror God in this way. Just to be clear, we were not made to be, uh, we were not made gods, but we were made to be in such a high standard, and God has granted that, delegated all that power and all that blessing. Have you thought about how precious? You are before God. God did not create a failed human. God did not create just something out of the scraps and was a failure, basically. God created something to which ideally would be his mirror, his representatives to all of the creation. But, and there's always a but, (laughs) The story continues and we see that unfortunately from very early on in the biblical story and very early on in our own life story, we have failed to live fully in accordance to that image and likeness that we were meant to be. In the Bible you flip to the next page and write on chapter 3, Adam and Eve fail to trust God completely as their source of knowing good and bad. In the next chapter, chapter 4, their first son Cain killed his younger brother. The first homicide in human history is found on chapter number 4. And in the same chapter, we see the first city that is founded. And on that first city, you find the first serial killer, a guy named Lamech. The story goes on and on cycle after cycle and bloodshed and sin is creeping into the human project experience you and i we have spoiled we have broken that responsibility we have spoiled that privilege of being an act has god's images on this earth when we take god out of the picture out of the equation of our lives when we take him out of our thoughts as a source of our thoughts and as a source of our wisdom when we take him out of our relationship of our acts we break that image when we when intimacy with God is no longer the beginning of wisdom our sin starts to vandalize that image and that likeness in us and we see in world history You turn on the news and you see how we as humans, we failed with the authority that was given to us. We failed to love our neighbors as ourselves. We failed to love the others' images of God as ourselves because of our selfishness. We look around and we see wars after wars, um, nations after nations, economical interests, all the geopolitics and all that stuff. We failed to... To to use that authority that was given to us to take care of the creation that God gave us to us to create. We failed to take care of our planet Earth. And more so, we misused the blessing of multiplication and we also vandalized it. We allowed our own sexuality to also be corrupted. No limits, no boundaries whatsoever on how we should use our sexuality in our bodies or towards the others? Do you relate to this depiction? Is it something that speaks to you? Paul reflects on this reality 2,000 years ago when he writes uh, to a church in Roman and he says well their lives our lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, Greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They, we, we are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. We invent new ways of sinning. We disobey our parents. They refuse to understand. They break uh, promises. We are heartless. We have no mercy. We know that God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die Yet, they, we, we do them anyway. Worse yet, we encourage others to do so. Paul is not kind with these words when he wants to portray an honest report of the human experience, but also an honest report of you and I. And I'm not sure if you recognize that or not. Maybe you're thinking, well... I'm not that of a broken picture. I know this person next to you has done way worse things than I do. I think this description is a bit too harsh. Or, man, the people around me, they have a good impression, a good image about myself. So maybe I'm not that bad. But I'd like to give you an example and that I use it uh, constantly that I think it depicts well how broken we are, whether the others know it or not. And I think that we all came here this morning and if we would share on the screens behind me just the thoughts that run through your head this last week not even your actions uh, not even what you said or whatever you did in secret in, in, in secret just the thoughts that run through your head this last week I'm sure that most probably every single one of us would run out of this auditorium exposed. Feeling shamed of, of the human condition, of our condition. Isn't that right? How big, how big was the failure of what we humans were meant to be? We were meant to mirror God in his likeness. Do we understand, do we understand the profound consequences of our sins? We were supposed to be in such high places. But we allowed sin to creep in and bring us back to the dust. The depth of our wrongdoings is honestly scandalous. And this is the human story. This is also the story of you and I. As you cruise through the Bible, you see this honest report in every age. But you also see that God does not abandon his creation to his sad faith. So God keeps reaching out and he's wanting to raise leaders who can try to depict a better image of God and lead others to do so. So God raises Noah. We're going to just skim quickly through the Bible. God raises Noah, a guy that was ri- a righteous man, live. For 120 years, he was preaching righteousness, building that ark, being faithful to God. He escaped the flood with his family because of his faithfulness. But after the flood, he got himself drunk and he allowed his family to be ashamed. God brings, raises Abraham, a guy who also showed great faith in many things, a guy who moved him and his family to, a, to the promised land. Abraham, full of faith. But Abram, who also did not wait for the promises of God, and he failed with his servant Hagar and his, with his wife Sarah. God raises Moses. Oh Moses, that great strong leader, led the people through the desert, opened the seas. Moses, that guy. But Moses also failed. Moses was also impatient. Moses also committed murder in Egypt. And he was just not that perfect leader the people needed. God raised a nation, Israel. And he wanted this nation to be God's image to all the other nations. He raised this nation to be a blessing to the other nations. But what do we know of the story of Israel? Cycle after cycle They fail to trust in God and they even worship other gods, other idols. So in this nation, God picks then a king. Maybe a king will be different from any other king in their nations around. From David and his lineage, this kingship lineage will will rule these nations, will be my image and my likeness in perfection. And yes, David is an amazing king, a prophet, a poem, someone we recognize, a guy who walked close with God. But yet, David, in the height of his kingdom, he committed adultery with someone else. Examples go on and on. People and groups of people being called to be the images of God, but failing to achieve the task completely. And the Bible is just very honest. This is an honest report of the human experience. And I think it helps us to to look at it and see ourselves there as well. But the story itself, the story starts to beg for someone to come. When will that human be come? When will that guy be just the perfect human, the perfect image of God among humans to represent God? Or to represent the humans before God? Who will come? Who can bridge the gap that the sin has separated everyone from God? Who can come to establish that partnership with peace with God? And here is where the human project takes a turn. God intervened himself because he did not want his creatures to be, for their fate to be led to their sad fate, but God incarnated in Jesus Christ. Jesus became the human in his image that we were meant to be. Jesus became the human in God's image that we were meant to be. And the Bible says in Colossians 1, Jesus Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. The Son, Jesus Christ, he radiates God's own glory and he expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. The Bible recognizes that Jesus was this human one that had to come to mirror perfectly God to all the humans. How did Jesus use the authority that was given to him And we even sang this morning. Jesus used the authority that was given to him to reach out, to reach out to the needy, to reach out to those who are vulnerable. Jesus used the authority that was given to him to serve others instead of demanding to be served. How did Jesus use the blessing of multiplication in his life? Well, he made disciples. And he invited and he taught his disciples to make more disciples and to follow him because he knew who he was. He knew he was the image of the invisible God. He knew that he sustained everything with the power of his hand. Jesus of Nazareth made God known to us. Jesus made God known to us by the way he acted, by the way he loved, by the way he served. And ultimately, Jesus of Nazareth represented us and our sins and our brokenness when he was nailed on that cross in our behalf. This is the Jesus that we love This is the Jesus that we serve. This is the Jesus that we proclaim Sunday after Sunday in this place. When he resurrected, because the story did not end there on that cross, when he defeated death, the ultimate consequence of sin and brokenness, then he opened, he paved this way so that we could partner again with God and somehow have the opportunity to restore this broken image. Jesus paved the way so that we could be made set with God again. This is amazing. Jesus granted us the power to be born again. To receive graciously a new nature that is being restored according to that image and likeness of God that was broken in the past. He is the one that allows us to say confidently, like Paul says in Ephesians, I'm putting out my old self full of corruption and uh, deceitfulness. And now I can put my new self created to be like God in all his righteousness and all his holiness. So the invitation is set for all of us to put our trust in this Jesus the one who can truly redeem and restore the broken image of God in our lives we were not only created by God but now we can proclaim that we were also redeemed by Jesus and all of those who who embrace this reality all of those who recognize the brokenness and the need to be born again all of those that embrace Jesus Christ, all of those that are called the church, they are also now called to be the images of Jesus. And I love how Paul reflects on this idea. And you see the logical thread from Genesis 1 all the way until Corinth chapter 15. Paul says, Adam, the first man, he was made from the dust of the earth while Christ The second man came from heaven. Earthly people are like the earthly man. And heavenly people are like the heavenly man. And just as we have borne the image of the earthly man. By the way, this image was broken and needed restoration. So let us bear now the image of the heavenly man, Jesus Christ. The doors of the Garden and, and Eden, the Garden of Eden that were shut to Adam and Eve as they were expelled from the Garden. Now, the, now Jesus himself, presents Himself, has that open door. The door we can walk through and have access again to that intimate relationship, precious relationship with God. And this is this is a work in process. Holy Spirit helps us. It's like the glue that glues all the pieces of the broken vessel together. And that this, this is a progress as we embrace Jesus, as we are saved, and as we are welcomed into this family. We, we grow and we mature into this reality. But this is the invitation that we are called as we grow to mirror and keep mirroring better your Creator, God, your Redeemer. Jesus Christ so how can we do it in a very practical way we can do it in many ways but I think the Bible also points out to something that is crucial and is core in our belief of Jesus the same way that Jesus um, walked around with his disciples and, 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 and taught them how to serve like he served there was this guy John, a close friend and disciple of Jesus. He lived with him for those intense three years of ministry. This John guy saw Jesus being, with his own eyes, saw him being crucified and saw him being resurrected again. And when Jesus was taken up to heaven, then John had plenty of time to process all that had happened. And years after years, after he processed all these experiences and after he start to match Jesus' words with his claims that he was God, then John writes something beautifully in John chapter 4. He says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from God. And anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God. For God... My Jesus is love. Dear friends, since God loved us so much, I saw God loving me so much when he was nailed on that cross, representing my sins there. If he loved me so much, we then ought to love each other. Last verse, no one has ever seen God. But if we love each other, God lives in us. If we love each other, we start mirroring that invisible God. And His love is brought to full expression in us. Isn't this a wonderful, life-giving message? The message of love. We mirror Jesus in our lives by acting according to who he is we mirror jesus in our lives by acting according to who he is and what is jesus his love john understood his love jesus does not just does acts of love but jesus is love if i could describe jesus in one word i would say jesus is love His grace, His mercy, His justice, everything flows out of Him, out of that love. He is love. And Jesus Himself told in the the last hours He was with His uh, disciples before He was led to the cross, He says, I'm giving you a new command. Love one another. Love as I have loved you. You must love one another. And the last thing Jesus said while he was on earth, before being raised to heaven, he gave his authority to his disciples. He said, all authority in heaven has been given to me, and I'm given to you. Therefore, go. Restore that authority in Genesis 1 that was broken, and now go in my authority. And do what? Go and multiply And make other disciples, baptize baptize them. Walk the road with them, love them, restore the authority and the multiplication, the blessing of multiplication that was broken. As you model me, Jesus, as you act in love. We are called to love our neighbors as ourselves, because he or she also carries the image of God. He or she is also worth of much love, of much redemption. I would like us to stand as we come to an end. And I would like us to pray together. Pray for this work of the Holy Spirit, for this glue to, in, in our lives, in our vessels. And one of the chapters, and if you, um, if you go home today, um, take 1 Corinthians ch- chapter 13 has for me the best practical description of love in action. And what I've done was just to, um, I wrote it down. 1 Corinthians 13 has, um, a prayer. Um, and if you believe in it, if you want to embrace it, if you want to um, grow and mature into it, I invite you to pray with me what I've paraphrased, First Corinthians 13. Let us first pray together with our neighbor. So in the next couple of minutes, the person on your left or the person on your right, just together, if you can pray for one another this prayer. And then we will pray together and conclude this morning. Shall we? Shall we pray with our neighbor? Okay, I would like to invite the worship team to come. And let us pray together as a church. What Paul shared in Corinthians 13. God, may our love be patient and kind. Let it be... Let it not be jealous, or boastful, or proud, or rule. We don't want to just demand our own way. Help us not to be irritable, and keep no record of being wronged. Help us not to rejoice with injustice, but rejoice whenever the truth wins out. We believe that love never gives up, never lose faith, is always hopeful, And endures through every circumstance. May this prayer be expressed fully in our lives towards one another. As we sing of who you are, Lord Jesus. As we declare that you are the master of our souls. We pray such prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen.